He's the one guy that can match the Michigan three-point shooter, Luke Hancock. And he's done it to the tune of trying to get his team on the lead. And up ahead to Siva. Oh. And the Hello and welcome to a President's Day edition of What High School Did You Go To? I'm Gabe DeVerge. How you doing? I'm Chris Hatfield. Gabe, it is President's Day. That was just, it, it threw me off guard. From the yeah, I was like, like you showed th- <laughs> up there for a second. I was like, whoa, did I, did, I, did I catch him at the wrong time? Yeah, there's been a lot going on, uh, but President's Day, they kind of threw me off. Um, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing all right. I'm I'm keeping on keeping on as I told you. Uh taking taking care of life. Uh it's 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 fun. It's fun sometimes. Yeah, it definitely definitely is fun sometimes. So off the bat here, I do have uh as I tend to have some general questions for you. Some pop flies, some Yeah, uh, some pop warm-ups. flies, I guess warm-ups. you could call it. Um I think a good place to start today is I want to speak just a little bit about the career journal. The illustrious, I, the illustrious painted lady of this this fair town. Yeah, I absolutely adore the Courage Journal. I have my whole life. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I will never deny that. I grew up reading the Courier as a kid from 12, 13, 14 years old. Um, I could probably name you almost any influential sports writer from C.L. Brown to Brian Bennett to, you know, our guy Jeff Greer and, down a stacked roster, a Pat Forty. Yeah. I mean, a st- a Bill Plaschke's dad, a, a stacked roster. <laughs> you can't forget him. But I am generally a little concerned about the state of the Courier Journal. And it's not like I am not one of those guys. And I know you're not one of those guys who say that, you know, the Courier Journal has some type of conspiracy and they're out to get you a bell. And I don't think that the Courier Journal is really facing any problems that any newspapers around the country aren't facing themselves. But I'm just curious what you kind of think the state of the Courier Journal is. If uh, do you have any like general perspective on how you view the Courier Journal now as you did, you know, five years ago. I think I do think sports wise, uh, you know, just because that's my experience. I think um, they're kind of at a, at a, at a sort of a weak point. I don't know. They don't I have much of an identity, I guess, is what what it feels like. That's no, I think that's definitely it. And I think that just like every other newspaper, they've they've tried to figure out this digital thing. I think they do some fun things. Um, I want to say, I mean, I think just to shout out some people uh, that I think are fun in the Courier Journal right now. Um, I think Dominique Yates, who's who's come in kind of recently and does this fun video thing like Dom's Dimes, which I right. I kind of love. I kind of love that little thing. Shout out to Dom. Um, you know, I th- I'm I'm losing the name of the young woman who took over for Jeff Greer right now. Um, Daniel Lerner. Daniel Lerner. I'm sorry, Danielle. Who I, I think in, in you know coming off of someone who did as great a job and um, as Jeff, I think she I think she is definitely uh, she's there's not been a whole gap in in coverage for me. Um, I think she's taken up the the reporting aspect of uh, the Louisville Cardinals basketball team, um, but. I think when it comes to you're talking about those big names, you know, you're talking about your Eric Crawford, your, uh, your Pat I mean, Forties. You throw Cal uh, Tucker and Adam Himmelsbach in there as well. Yeah. Know. And, um, those big columnist names, I mean, you, we've talked a lot about 
Sullivan, uh, our guy Sully. But I think, you know, it's exactly what you what you said. I think there's always been a local identity in that columnist spot and they don't have it right now. Yeah. They don't have it right now. And they have they have a guy in, in Tim Sullivan who's not from the area. And um I think it shows. And uh that's fine. I, I you know, I think he's doing what every every other columnist in the country is doing and trying to get clicks and trying to get people, you know, uh to to read his articles. And that's fine. I don't I don't have a real beef with it as much as other people do. I think you're kind of on the same boat with me, Chris. I do wanna say I think uh elsewhere I, I do I do really like the coverage of the Curio. I think they have great food coverage. Yeah. Um, I think Better. even their some of their re- the reporting and political coverage. Um, Phil Bailey, I think, does a grand job um, for the Courier, and uh, Joe Girth does a good job as well. Um, you know, being the political col- columnist, and then uh, Bailey Loosemore, I think, is is the food a food and culture writer who yeah. I follow on Twitter, who I really like and respect. Um, so I think there's good things, but I think the average uh, Louisville Twitter sports person is looking for one particular thing, and they're not getting it. Yeah, I mean, this is this is obviously a, a Louisville, Louisville podcast. And, you know, the Career Journal, like I said, is something near and dear to my heart. So I, I hate it to, to see, like, the sports, you know, coverage kind of have this these growing pains. So I was just genuinely curious of your opinion. We can kind of move on. But, I mean. Yeah, I, one more one more thing before we move on, Chris. And you, you tweeted it out. And I don't think people kind of realized um, when it was happening. But there was a, a bid by a company called Digital Media First for Gannett, the parent company of the Courier Journal. Uh, Digital Media First is kind of infamous in the newspaper realm for buying newspapers and like literally squeezing them for money. Uh, they bought the, I mean, literally infamously, they bought the, the, the Denver post as soon as they had won the, like the national Pulitzer for local coverage. It was a, a landmark achievement for that paper. They were immediately purchased for a heavy sum, uh, by this company and this company cut staffers left and right. So it looked like for 24 hours that Gannett and, you know, eventually the Courier Journal was going to be under the same ownership. Uh, but that didn't happen at this point. So I do, I, we dodged a bullet there. I, I, you know, I think I get where people come from, you know, when they're looking at Twitter headlines, um, you're not going to find what, you know, you're not going to find what you're looking for when you look in Twitter headlines in the Courier Journal. But I do think the substance, there's substance there, especially from some of the younger writers. And um, I hope those people will stay around for an extended period of time so we can sort of grow up with them the way we had, um, you know, other people. And, you know, some people who have left, even like uh, like, uh, Bruggers, who is the the music guy, right? He just left. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, some people who'd been in the Courier for 15, 20 years. I hope that some of these people will stay for a long time. Also, shout out to my dude Lucas Aldock. I would I would be remiss if I uh, didn't mention him, who's also on the sports staff. Went to went to Dupont with me, and uh, we had a few projects together back in the day. He's good people too. And I'm not going to say it's not warranted, but I feel like we, as kind of a fan base, have to get a little bit out of this mentality that every headline that is written is a direct attack on the University of Louisville exactly. every single time. Because it, it, we've been in that, that place for the past two years, and if you go looking for it, you can obviously find it. We're comfortable being the victims, and, right. and I, don't, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's unwarranted. We've gone through some shit, um, but we've got to we've we've got to chill out a little bit on that, especially when it comes to Sully headlines that are just begging.
wagon for you to click. Like the dude just being a columnist. The dude, that's, that's the dude just wants your clicks, man. And just uh, that's that's what it is. That's all it is at the end of the day. He wants your clicks. But there's quality in the Courier Journal if you look for it. I, I really truly believe that, and I hope people continue to support it. I know I will. Yep. Sounds good. Let's let's talk some some Google Fiber. Yeah, Chris. So that was probably. Uh, I, I, Unless you were not aware at this point, we're we're gonna stray a little bit away from sports. This episode, this kind of a a non sportsy episode, talk about you know we'll talk some sports, uh, but not as heavy on on Louisville basketball as we have been in the past. Um, as we as we said we would do from time to time, we will not stick to sports. Um, so that brings us to Google Fiber, Chris. I don't recall the date. I think it's been two weeks now, um, almost. Uh, I think maybe it was like Thursday or Friday two weeks ago. Um, Google Fiber, which had, you know, two years ago said that they were moving into Louisville. Uh, Mayor Greg Fisher is was touting them uh, as much as he could. He basically bent over backwards to get Google Fiber to come here. Uh, they opened up shot in Portland in some uh, a little bit, you know, remains to be. It's it's sort of questionable how much they opened up shop there. Um, and then mostly the Highlands area. Um I've got some friends who live in the Newburgh area, sort of around Bellarmine, around uh, Lakeside Pool Club. Uh, It seems like those were the areas of the Highlands, that kind of general vicinity where uh, Google Fiber was really set up shop. And unfortunately, we learned uh, it looks like it was on February the 7th. So, yeah, so it's literally been 14 days. uh, It'll be 14 days on Thursday um, that Google Fiber is pulling out of Louisville. And they have figured out, I'm going to read this quote that we have here in our notes. In Louisville, we've encountered encountered challenges that have been disruptive to residents and caused service issues in our customers. We're not living up to the high standards we set for ourselves or the standards we've demonstrated in our other fiber cities. We would need to essentially rebuild our entire network in Louisville to provide the great service that Google Fiber is known for. And that's just not the right business decision for us Chris say to you because that's not what what those words are saying is not what those mean it says it's it's a big middle finger it's a big middle finger and I don't know and I I think this community took it that way but you can't take it any other way they are saying a we did a terrible job in this what what the focus of Louisville's experiment with Google Fiber was was this micro trenching technique of putting fiber lines next to the streets it anybody who lives in these neighborhoods or seen these neighborhoods recently can attest it looked terrible uh it left just rips and roads i've talked to cyclists that say it's messed up people on bikes um all this all this banana stuff and google fiber basically took this opportunity to say oh we f this up this we didn't do as good a job so we're going to leave because we would have to completely redo everything. And Louisville, you are not worth it for us to spend the couple million dollars it would take. That's just chump change for us uh, to fix your network and continue service. But we're going to take everything that we learned in Louisville and apply it to other cities that you do not live in. It's just mind blowing, Chris. Yeah, I mean, there there's a lot to to bite off here because I would be the first person to tell you that if, you know, Louisville somehow didn't support this the way I felt they should, 
or if they didn't live up to their end or, right. you know, whatever, that I, I would be the first to knock Louisville. But that's simply not the case. It's Louisville, the exact like opposite. Just, like you just said, I mean, Louisville spent, I'm looking at the Chris Odds tweet from back in February. They spent over $300,000 on contract lawyers to defend the ordinances and lawsuits from AT&T and Spectrum. The, they were throwing all these lawsuits out against Google to kind of avoid them coming here. And right. Louisville spent money defending uh, those ordinances. Our to- tax money. They spent right. our tax money on making sure Google Fiber stayed in our community. And Google just turned around and gave us the middle finger. So there's that. But then there's this also part of why Google didn't feel the need that Louisville isn't important enough to, you know, revamp things and and kind of fix the issues and get the things to work. And that's the part that really sticks with me and kind of bugs me more than anything else. Explain. I I, I want to hear more about that. That's you're going down an interesting path to follow you. Because I just feel like, you know, in some cities, I, I don't have the, the financial aspects of, of the numbers in front of me. But, you know, like you said, it would take chump change for Google to really fix this and do this the right way. So I right. guess if it was a city like Indianapolis, Nashville, Cincinnati, throw them out there, I'd be curious if they would be more interested in trying to fix the problem rather than you just know – tear up a bunch of roads and dip out. And that's, yeah. I, I guess that's what kind of like bugs me more than anything else, because I'm curious, Google has yet to really give more of a detailed explanation than what we've kind of read there at the beginning. And um, I don't think, I don't think they're going to, unless it comes yeah, to some kind of trial. To be they're honest. Google. They're not going to, I will read the Greg Fisher statement that we have. And it's from the time Louisville Metro began working with Google fiber. We believe that adding this service as a choice for residents would lead other providers to offer faster services, faster speeds and lower costs. Competition is good for the market. AT&T and Spectrum and others have stepped up and increased investment in Louisville. We look forward to working with them and others to provide residents with choices for low cost, gigabyte speed internet access. We are also excited about our expansion of internet network capacity through the LFIT Middle Mile Fiber Initiative. Don't know what that is. And 5G wireless coverage. Chris, Um, that's just like 200 words of I'm eating my crow and everything's going to be okay, but this kind of sucks. Yeah, That's all that. It's like, it's one of those spots where I would love to just be like, Fisher didn't get it done, but you really can't do no, that. No, you can't. And, and I, I, I hate to be, I had some conversation with some people who've moved away and I, I got like upset. I got really frustrated. Um, because I mean, you know, Chris, I'm sure you agree with me. We love this place, man. We love this city. Uh, we love this, what this city can be. We know that there's flaws in this city. Um, but I think Google fiber was one of those types of things that like it, Louisville could be more than just what it is. Right. It could be a leader in a, in a, in a way that's special. And they're doing that in some ways. I mean, Greg Fisher will take any opportunity possible to tell you about bourbon tourism, bourbonism, which never doesn't sound, it always sounds corny uh, when he talks about it, even though it's legit. I think it's quite legit. I've, I've met a hundred, you know, people at different bars around the country or around the city who talk, they're from around the country and they talk about coming here because they love bourbon so much and just random people from everywhere. But Google fiber, I mean, going through the cities that have Google fiber right now, they're the types of cities that Louisville wants to be associated with. You've got your Austin's, your Denver's, your Charlotte's, your Kansas cities, your Nashville's, your, the triangle area in North Carolina, um, Seattle, Salt Lake city, San Fran. 
the types of cities that you want Louisville mentioned in the same sentence with. I mean, these are not only big cities, these are cities that continue to grow. You exactly. Know? And, uh, I think what's interesting about to me, and this is a little far-fetched, but I'm curious if this would be like a situation where people would look at Louisville, specifically like politicians like Matt Bevin and maybe like Andy Barr and Massey and other guys like that and say, this is why you don't try to be innovative. <laughs> this is why you don't try to lead the charge because then you, you kind of get screwed um, because that yeah, that's a, a window for them to, you know, look at that and say something like that. But yeah, it's, it's upsetting, man. It's upsetting because a lot of times in this state, a lot of times in this city, I'm often felt with that. We didn't really take the biggest initiative to get whatever you want you know, NBA team, casino gaming, whatever, right. have you. But in this particular case, Louisville did everything they could, and it, it wasn't good enough. And I think that's that's the biggest biggest um, issue here. That's a great way to put it, Chris. I I don't think I could have said it better myself. You know, we um we're we'll, we're going to talk in a little bit about Matt Bevin and some of the politics, but um I always feel like Louisville is is held back by some of the things that happen in Frankfurt. I'll be the first to tell you that there's a war on Louisville culturally. I've just seen it. I've talked to people. Um, whether you want to admit it or not, there's people around this state that don't want to see Louisville succeed. And uh, I think they've done things to uh, prevent Louisville from profiting um, and, 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 and moving forward. Um, but this is not that. This is not. This is not a situation where they were held back. They did everything they could. They bent over backwards and they still get the middle finger. So, yeah, man, it's uh, it's tough for a lot of people like us who put down our roots here. And we uh, we just we want things to move forward. I mean, it's not the end of the day. I don't know, man. Like, do I really believe people were going to move to Louisville just for Google Fiber? No, no, but it's it's not. You know, it's not that it's what it says. Of course, it's what it says. It's representative. I, I, I told a friend um, this. I said, you know, Louisville has always been a city. Uh, it's a it's a big little city. It's it's truly a big little city. It's a, or a big, small town. It's you know, it is the type of place that's great to raise a family. There's enough to do to, you know, to to kind of have fun and, and grow up and raise a family. But things like Google Fiber make you believe in Louisville as a bigger regional leader, as a, as a place where unique things can happen. Um, and that Louisville is recognized nationally for, you know, being a, a, a third or fourth tier city, which I think Louisville can absolutely be with just the way it is, even geographically and stuff. I just, I think that's always been an opportunity and there's a variety of reasons why it's not been that way. Um, but this was a, this was another blow to that, that dream. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think some people would look at this and be like, why are you guys talking about internet service? It's really not that important. I get get that, but on the service, it means a lot, but we can move on to a former um, Louisville resident and (laughs) his name is Ray Pitino and he's back in the news again. Our good buddy, Rick Pitino, our good pal, last seen winning the Greek cup championship. After uh, come, uh, the, the great tweet he had that uh, the team they played in the semifinals didn't show up for the second <laughs> half. Or that was coached by Dave Latt, which I didn't know until like two Whoa, days. Whoa, no way. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. That's a whole nother layer to it, which I didn't see that. Yeah. I'm floored now that that just that, you know, Dave Blatt, formerly of the uh, of the 
Cleveland Cavaliers, former coach of LeBron James. Wow. That's that's Brian can't coach against Rick. So can't coach LeBron and get scared about coaching Rick. That's hilarious. But anyway, yeah, Chris. So I, we literally, I mean, recording this, the, the evening of, um, the evening of president's day. And I sent you this tweet over the DMS. I said, we got to talk about this. And it's a tweet. Uh, I'm pulling it up right now from like this Vegas local guy, uh, locally, locally, Las Vegas, locally said UNLV is in serious talks with coach Rick Pitino, according to a source. Then you sent me another guy, the Vegas take, who's like a, a local gambling sports radio host yep. who said my odds and Rick Pitino to be the next UNLV um, men's basketball coach have moved from 20 to one to four to one. Now that's by no means a done deal, Chris, but are we going to have to amend our dream of Rick Pitino at Santa Anita <laughs> and make it Rick Pitino at the Westgate Las Vegas? <laughs> I'll settle for that. Um, I mean, if you go to some of the Ravels message boards and I guess the guys closer to the program is they're not really denying the story either. Yeah, for sure. So uh, that seems to make you believe that there's some, um, there's some juice to it. So yeah, I mean, on the surface, it's hard to say that UNLV wouldn't be a great spot for Rick. It's a place where he could obviously go recruit. Um, it's a place where you wouldn't really have the best expectations. But as you said, him on the Vegas strip, you know, betting games and, and a whole nother level. There's a lot legally, the, the, the games he could bet legally. Let's right. Right. Let's, let's be clear. Um, but that might be as, as intriguing as it would be at him at Santa Anita. Absolutely. And I think what's, what, what definitely is clear about this report. And it's something we said for sure. Uh, Rick Pitino is coming to America this summer. Like he's coming back. And if it's not UNLV, if it's not UCLA, it's somebody. He's getting a job here. And uh, that's that. I, I think we just can all agree on that. Yeah, I think it's interesting that he kind of was able to just take the route that a lot of people, I think, when he took the job over in Greece, people kind of laughed it off. But it's if, you know, he gets a job this this offseason and certainly appears that he would, it, it kind of worked for him because the guy went over there, gained some, you know, different type of experience and won a championship and can come back and, and coach again and probably have more success. So at the end of the day, it was kind of a good move. Yeah, it's 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 racist profile and it's it's one of those, you know, kind of get away from everything, get away from all the stories, get away from all the um, all the hype, all the all the bad things people are saying about you. And it worked. You're right. It worked. And it seems like people are ready to to get back, at, 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 you know, in on him. I think the only thing that could hamper him is it seems like there's going to be some NCAA investigations on some of the. The coaches right off the bat, it seems like yeah, UNLV doesn't care about that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But that's the one thing I I think that could prevent. What's really great about this is one of the in-conference opponents that UNLV plays every year is Colorado State. And there's another guy who just (laughs) left the University of Louisville. who has some ties to the Colorado state area. So I just kind of found that interesting too. That's, that's pretty funny too. Yeah, no, I mean, there could be, there could be something there. Um, I think, you know, it's, we'll wait, it's going to be a wait and see, but listen, man, I, I mean, you said, you said before it's like five to one odds. He's coaching in America again. I think it's like plus plus one forty. Yeah. <laughs> 
Like, I think, I think it's almost a done deal. He's going to be in America um, by Derby day. We'll, we'll have it figured out. We'll know where he's going by Derby day for Who sure. Who would ever thought that he would have more ties to a job quicker than Tom George would. I think that's a little surprising for me still. Yeah, I think it is. But I do think Tom George is sort of in a role where you have to have some longevity as an AD. If that makes yeah. sense. Like, yeah. I think Tom George is probably just tired. He doesn't want to put in another two years somewhere new, probably. Yeah, I mean, there's less job opportunities too, I'm sure. So that, that probably plays a part as well. For sure. Uh, it, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, more to come on that one for sure. Uh, but moving right along, as, as uh, we mentioned, we're going to talk a little bit of politics. Um, there's some fun stuff going on in the medical marijuana debate. Chris, that we wanted to touch on. We're wearing uh, flip flops in this state. We got some flip floppers. Um, I'm gonna let you take this because this is you. You tweeted about this. I want you to intro us on this because it's it's fun. It's fun. I mean, in 2017, Matt Bevan was telling you that people in Colorado were dying overdose of weed. Weed is terrible. Marijuana is the worst. People are dying. It's sinning. The quote exactly is, so a tote of people gambling, that's a solution for Kentucky? I would say no and no. Not while I'm governor. Those are sucker bets. Ridiculous. We're not going to legalize marijuana in this state. Matt Bevin, 2017. And what do you know? It's election season. It's 2018. Matt Bevin doesn't see much of a path to win re-election. So last week, what news comes out? Matt Bevin supports medical marijuana legalization. Look Who would have thought? Who would have thought, Chris? Who would have thought that when it was advantageous politically for a man who was just booed for the second straight game at Rupp Arena, for all intents and purposes, home territory for him, to be quite honest. If we're gonna, Let's be real. Jonathan Rupp Arena is pretty close to him, too. So. Rupp, uh, we'll, we'll get there. Rupp, Rupp Arena... A place where I think the P I mean, we can be fair. The, the, the people who attend UK games, the donors and the people who sit in the cheap seats, I think they're fans of Matt Bennett. I think they yeah. vote Republican on a regular basis. Let's let's be clear. You know, Lexington, you know, a- Amy, uh, Amy McGrath did not win that district last year. OK, so he keeps getting booed at Rupp Arena. I expected in Louisville, it happens every time in Louisville, uh, but he is tremendously unpopular, Chris. Right. I mean, at this point, I, I don't know if he still is, and I don't even, I can't even really cite the poll. That's a bad job by me. But I know <laughs> for a long time, he was had the second lowest approval rating of any governor in um, the state, of the, in the United States, and only behind the Kansas governor, who was beat in his reelection bid. So, I mean, you could very well make the case that Matt Bevin is the least popular governor in the United States right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pulling it up right now. Bottom 10 governors. Yeah. So one through four, Mary Phelan of Oklahoma. I'm not going to go through these. Anyway, these, these four who were, I'm sorry, these five who were uh, the top five least popular governors are, were all voted out in 2018. So Matt Bevin, who is sixth, is now the least popular sitting governor. They morning consult updates this. They updated it in January and it was the end of 2018. So we'll find out in March and update on it. He's sitting at, and this is January. He's sitting at 51% disapprove. And then there's 34% approval. So you've got another, you know, another 10% there or another 15% that's in undecided. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, what was interesting about this announcement to me, which was was kind of ironic, is he cited, and I mean, obviously, terrible tragedy. His nephew died uh, 2016. He cited that as a reason for, you know, support of medical, medical marijuana, but where were any of those calls in, in 2016 and 2017? They weren't there. So, I mean, that's that's just bullshit there, too. So, it's, it's funny. Um, it's maybe a predictable move, but I didn't know that it would happen this soon. Yeah, it's it's predictable, and I I wouldn't be surprised if some other things happen this year. It seems like sports gambling has some real momentum um, with some uh, people on both sides. There's a few bills that are sponsored by Republicans. Um, one from uh, a general. I, I'm losing his name, but. Um, He's uh, Jason Neems, excuse me, who's from the Louisville area. I think he's a representative. And then there's a state senator, I believe, from northern Kentucky, who's also a Republican, who sponsored another bill. I think the difference, the big difference in their bills is the state senator guy from northern Kentucky. He said his bill says that you shouldn't be able to bet on any uh, college sports teams from Kentucky. Which was kind of I didn't I don't, I don't understand that at all. I don't understand that. And like, what's the difference between that and like an Indiana team or a West Virginia team or Cincinnati? Right. Like there's no difference. So I think that's kind of a lame. Um, I don't think that really matters. Um, but it's it seems like the that you know could potentially happen. I don't know. We're kind of deep already into the General Assembly. That isn't very long. But yeah, Chris, I don't know. I mean, it's it seems like medical marijuana could definitely happen um i was i I didn't i go ahead no i guess it's just what's interesting about this whole election and what's going to continue to be interesting about this whole election is you're obviously going to have the the casino gaming and the medical marijuana are going to be probably at the forefront and you know health insurance not very far behind as usual but i think what's interesting is that you have matt bevan trying to appeal to a little bit of independent voters with you know kind of a liberal view here and then you have a host of democrats trying to appeal to a conservative base in eastern kentucky and we've mentioned that before that those guys are out there trying to go get coal miner votes so i think that both of these guys or anyone that's running for governor is looking at it and not exactly sure how they win the race um yeah and this is something uh, we we you know, we'll definitely talk a lot more about as it goes on this Democratic governor uh, primary. Um, but, you know, as you said, you know, the uh, Rocky Atkins, who's from eastern Kentucky, who's running for governor, he voted for this uh this abortion, this anti-abortion bill that came through that passed. Um, and then Adam Edelin immediately responded and said he's not about you know, politicians getting involved in the the affair, the private affairs of families and women, which is good to hear. But then I don't think, as you mentioned, Andy Bashir isn't I don't think he's going on the record. For this. <laughs> he's not saying shit. He's, he's not going to say shit. And, and we, we we can insert here that Andy Bashir is in, in an internal poll from Andy Bashir that his his spokesman tweeted out. I think he's up like 55 to like 15 on Edelin uh, or on Atkins. I think Atkins a second and Edelin was at like 4%. Right. So I think he's kind of hoping he can just coast. I think once we get into March, April and then May, when this thing starts going, it will be interesting to see um, where the attention goes. Cause I, I don't think, 
I think if Edelin tries to rally up the Louisville base, he might be able to, uh, to get things moving on his end. I mean, I, well, I know, I, he, I know he spent a bunch of time in Louisville over the last month since he's announced that he's running. I mean, I follow him on Instagram and pretty much all of his events have been in Louisville and haven't really seen much outside of Louisville. I did find it kind of interesting that you go to all three of these guys' websites and none of them have an official stance on abortion yeah. on their website. Um, Adam Elin was actually the only one that had anything about, you know, just kind of women's issues in general. So I think that would be, you know, kind of an avenue that he could, he could approach and maybe, you know, kind of rile up a base for, um, because he seems to be the only one that really comes out with a strong message either way about how he feels about an an issue like that. And I mean, uh, I don't think abortion is really going to be a, a heavy button issue for the election as a whole, but I think it could be one in just the primary. No, I think I, I completely agree. And I, I think, I don't know, Chris, I mean, I, I've had some discussions with people. I'm not a huge fan of Edelin more so because of his running mate, Jill Holland, right. who is not revealing his taxes, which is what uh, Donald Trump and Matt Bevin have done. And uh, I kind of am not about that. Uh, but then again, I just don't, I don't love running Steve Bashir's son against, uh, against Matt Bevin. That feels like a, that, that feels like a, like that feels like an L we're waiting to take. That feels like uh, a really boring pick. And then Atkins is just out of it for me because of that, that vote, I think. And just in general, I think he's a little more conservative, which is fine, but that's just not my, that's not my jam. Um, so yeah, it's a really interesting race. And I, I think we'll have to take, you know, once these things get closer, we'll have to take a real deep look at it. Uh, and it's, it's going to be interesting. I don't, I thought there would be by now a little more traction on sort of what's happening in this, in this, uh, democratic primary by now. I don't think it has been, um, it's, I've been really interested in what Edelin's done. As you said, he, uh, he's been in Louisville a lot. He did a podcast the other day that I listened to, um, my old Kentucky podcast, which is, you know, which is just interesting and that he's kind of doing some of these new wave things he's done. Uh, he did a, uh, a, a periscope live uh, Twitter live type thing when he was announcing his position on, um, on gambling on exp- uh, sports gambling. He's, he did that on the Super Bowl day and kind of talked about how him and his friends will put a little bit money on the game. Wouldn't it be great if we could do that and the state could get some, some income off that, which I'm all fine and great with. That's, that's a grand idea right there with you. Um, so yeah. And I, I, j- I just haven't seen much of Andy Bashir because I think Andy Bashir knows he's the most recognizable person on the ticket. And if he just keeps things quiet until until May, he's probably going to get away with it. Yeah, I mean, Andy Bashir is Louisville in the last eight minutes against Duke right now. He's <laughs> just trying not to make a mistake, oh, not God. trying to do anything wrong. Don't shoot the ball. Just don't do anything. And hopefully you'll come out with a win. Oh my gosh. I think we gotta leave, we gotta leave it there. We gotta leave it there. That's too perfect. I can't top that. I can't top that. We didn't want to get any local sports. Uh it, it's it's been a heartbreaker for a little it's bit. It's been a heartbreaker. So, uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll move on and, and talk about Matt Jones. How about let's that? Let's talk about Matt Jones. We'll talk we go from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty. 
the news, I think it was a, a Washington Post article or a political article maybe that came out and said that Chuck Schumer, who's the Senate uh, minority leader, the leader of the Democrats in the Senate, was openly trying to recruit Amy McGrath, who we've already mentioned. She ran and lost against Andy Barr in Lexington to run for the 2020 Senate campaign. And this involves our good friend, Matt Jones, because Matt Jones is all but confirmed that he's going to run for Senate in 2020. Uh, and he kind of got a little miffed about it. You know, he kind of said, <laughs> what, he, he said on his Hey Kentucky show quote, which this is, this is a retweet, uh, Josh Holmes, who is, uh, one of Mitch's lackeys, uh, tweeted this one out. How does Chuck Schumer know who's going to win here? He lives in New York. Uh, Matt Jones spurned progressive primary candidate. Um, I kind of agree with Matt Jones here. Yeah. Is that kind of weird? No, I mean, I, I'm with you. Uh, I guess the really kind of the, the biggest takeaway I have on this is, you know, Matt Jones says he's going to wait to officially announce to see whether McGrath is going to throw her name in the hat. And I think that's a wise decision on his part. Um, I don't think he's going to run if McGrath does. I'm going to be, I'll come straight forward. I don't think he's going to run. I don't, I don't think he should if McGrath runs. I, no, I, think, I agree. But I, I do just have this question, you know, February 18th, 2018, our day of the Lord. Do you think that Matt Jones is the best opportunity to, to overthrow Mitch McConnell? Do you, cause I feel that way. I feel that way as well. Okay. I feel that way as well. I, I don't like feeling that way, but I feel that way as well. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, that is going to be, honestly, that election is going to be more compelling, I think, than even this governor's race. And, and that's that's the coolest thing about, if you're looking at it just from a political aspect, is that the next two years in the state of Kentucky are going to be absolutely bonkers because there's a lot of potential changings of the guards that could happen. Yeah. Um, there's got to be some things that, that go Democrats way to make that happen. But, and then there's a lot to lose for Democrats because if they, they lose this governor's race and they, they lose this shot at McConnell that they have here, you got to think that the lights are kind of out for the next <laughs> 10 years, maybe. So I think that's, it's a very, very exciting time in the state of Kentucky. No, I completely agree. Just and, and just to back up you sort of why I feel that way, I think, you know, I, I hate making this 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 comparison, but Jones almost feels media wise, he feels to me like sort of a a Beto O'Rourke type candidate right. in which he's gonna get a ton, a ton of media attention. And that's what you have to do to win a heavily in a heavily red area like Kentucky. You have to get a ton of media attention. I mean, he's going to get everyone's going to be talking. Yeah. Everyone is going to be talking about the the sports radio host versus the Senate majority leader. That's going to be like a national. It's going to be a headlining story. And I, I want to make it clear. I don't think. I don't think that Matt Jones can beat Mitch McConnell. I think at the end of the day, people, you know, tell me everything you want about Mitch McConnell being unpopular here. I think at the end of the day, people can look to Mitch McConnell, who are conservative and say he has done these things that we appreciate. I think Matt Jones can make it way closer than Amy McGrath can just because I think I mean, we've seen exciting 
candidates run Senate races and fail miserably. We saw that uh, with I'm I'm even forgetting his name who ran against uh, Jim Gray, who ran against Rand Paul. Everyone's like, oh, Jim Gray. He's interesting. He's, uh, you know, he's uh, openly gay. He was a mayor of the second largest city. He's a really interesting candidate. Oh, okay. And then we didn't hear from that race again after he was nominated. Lost by 10 percentage points. He lost by so much. He like got shellacked. I mean, the basic argument you can make for Amy McGrath is if you can't beat Andy Barr, then what makes you think you have a chance against Mitch McConnell? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and I think that's pretty straightforward, but I think that's that's legitimate. And I know that you've always kind of been fascinated with with this idea that Kentucky lawmakers have this more power in, in federal and in the yeah, federal man. ways than yeah. when they kind of have in state government. And yeah. I think that's something that continues to bode well for Mitch McConnell and probably always will. I think until he retires. I mean, yeah. honestly, if you're going to look at it from just a, you have your opinion, whatever you want about Matt Jones, but if you, you're going to look at a guy who built a website from complete scratch and, you know, made it the largest blog in the United States and look at that guy who has that much power um, with, you know, the Kentucky fan base and say that guy can't win, then, then who else can do that? Yeah. I mean, yeah. if, if he can't win, you've got to ask then who can. And I mean, that may not, that may not make you happy, but to me, that's, that's the reality. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, he has what, a hun- you know, almost 200,000 Twitter followers, you know, how many hundreds of thousands of people, the number one, sh- you know, radio show, across the board in this state. He has a, a pulpit unlike anyone else, and he can reach a group of people that any other candidate cannot. I think he has a lot of work to do in the city of Louisville. I, mm-hmm. I ask, and yeah, we can joke about it, it being red versus blue, but I think that that Kentucky Sports Radio as an entity, and this is, you know, this is how Matt Jones made his money. Uh, I think they have pervaded the cultural, urban, rural divide between Louisville and Kentucky. The the stuff I I, I touched at the beginning. I think a lot of people who are big fans of that site. Uh, and and love to dunk on Louisville. Don't just feel that way about the basketball team, guys. They feel that way about the city, and they go to Kentucky Sports Radio because they make jokes about Louisville. And it's not just about the team that plays for forty yeah. minutes every every you know twice a week at, uh, at KFC Yum Center. It's about the city of Louisville that they don't like. You know? Yeah, I, I mean the stuff five, six, seven years ago that. Uh, Matt Jones probably said about Lobo fans with, you know, lime beards and, and crown Royal, like that's, that's all fine and dandy. It's kind of funny, but in we some still ways, remember that happened. You know, I mean, in some yeah. ways, some people can view that stuff as code for a whole different thing. And yeah. we don't have to say it. You know what I'm thinking. And everyone that's listening to this podcast knows exactly what I'm thinking. So there's that. And that plays a part. And that's not just red versus blue. That's a whole cultural thing. And that is the one issue that is going to Matt Jones is going to have to overcome. And that is a big hurdle. And I've I've heard from some people that he he understands that to a degree. And I think he's been a little more toned down about Louisville stuff. As you mentioned, he hasn't made those types of jokes in a long time. Um, I think he gets that. I think he's he's kind of got it. So. We'll see, man. I mean, he says he's going to we'll know who's running against Mitch McConnell by summer. So there'll be plenty of more opportunities for us to talk about this for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) Moving right along to, uh, I think, our final topic of the day. 
Speaking of Kentucky, speaking of the Kentucky Wildcats, we want to talk about our favorite member of this Kentucky basketball team. Not quite a member, but a member. He earned earned his position, Chris. It was not given to him. None other than Brad Calipari himself. I... I absolutely love Brad Calipari, and I am obsessed with the man, and I don't care how you feel about it. I mean, from from the wardrobe to what was the shirt he wore the day after, I guess the game after the wardrobe, uh, reminder of time I cared. Is that what it said? Rest in peace to a time I cared. Rest in peace to a time I cared. I believe. Oh my God. That that's just absolutely beautiful. And the latest development in the Brad Calipari deal is he now has a Twitch following. And for you that don't know what that means, it's basically just a video game streaming services where you go in there and you kind of play games and you stream it. And the tweet after the kids love it. The kids love it. Let's be it's 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 all big love for the kids. But the tweet after the Tennessee game from him just made me die. And it was (laughs) stay tuned for stream time. I'll be on tonight for sure after that one. Lincoln bio. (laughs) The man had to go. The man had to go on to Fortnite. After whipping on the uh, uh, the uh, overrated Tennessee Vols, he had to get overrated on on Fortnite. Uh, the bummer is we don't have footage of this. He doesn't save his videos like some uh, Twitch streamers do. Um, yeah, so he plays Fortnite on on Twitch, and and our question is. Is he a professional gamer? Is he going to, is, is that, is that the next step for Brad Calipari professional gamer, uh, number one Twitch guy for uh, BBN thoughts? I mean, I mean, if, if Calipari has always said that the goal at Kentucky wasn't for, you know, the main goal wasn't to excel in the tournament. It was to get players into the pros. So I think this is just another angle for John Calipari to, you know, put guys in the pros and I, I really can't even hate on it. Yeah, man. He's trying to count. He's going pro in something other than sports. Yeah, you, uh, you've got to diversify these. Got to diversify your bonds. Uh, and and this coming on the heels, we we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the uh, the Mark Titus controversy with how Brad Cap. How did that whole thing start? So Mark Titus, he went on uh, Mark Titus of the Ringer of the uh, of the One Shining podcast. Uh, the college basketball podcast uh, on uh, on Bill Simmons's Ringer Network of podcasts, former uh, former Ohio State walk on. You know, if you've never read him or listened to him, I think he's funny. He's a good perspective if you want some college basketball outside of he's outside fresh. of the Louisville, Kentucky. He's a it's fresh fun. perspective. Yeah, he's a fresh perspective. Maybe you don't listen to the last episode because they literally just spent the entire episode breaking down the different characters and the Duke collapse. So maybe don't listen to that one, but I recommend his podcast nonetheless. Uh, anyway, so you went on part of my take another podcast, uh, Barstool Sports podcast, really popular, etc. Uh, he called out. I'm, I'm I'm quoting from our good friends at uh, Kentucky Sports Radio here. Uh, Titus called out Brad Calipari for quote wanting to be black, saying he has <laughs> quote never seen anyone take it to the level he is taking it to. I have a lot of Brad Calipari talks. I know a lot of white guys that want to be black because, I mean, growing up playing basketball, I dabbled in that for a long time in my own life. If you go back and find any picture of me, this is Titus talking. Uh, I'm wearing, if you find any picture of me around 2004, I'm wearing XXL everything. I was on an AAU team. I was a token white guy. 
I know that this is how people try to fit in. I've never seen anyone take that guy to the level that Brad Calipari is taking it it to <laughs> now. Calipari was uh, our good friend. Brad was really upset about this. He tweeted in response. Black isn't my person. Isn't a personality. My guy, how I dress has nothing to do with how I act. Please come correct. Next time you you're speaking on my name. Can't wait for you to make it a trip to Lexington and meet you at the Aaron Calipari at Megan. The tags are the, the best part. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, we don't have to say anything about this. It's just too funny. Like it's, it's beautiful. And I'm just excited to see what happens next because I don't want it to die down. I need something else to continue throwing gasoline on this fire. We need more Brad Calipari. Yeah. Give us more Brad Calipari. I think is, is the answer to this. It would be interesting. I'm really excited for his uh, his March Madness run fits. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Too. I'm looking forward to that. What is he? What is he going to break down? Um, you yeah, we spent any time trying to uh, voice read the uh, Kyrie Irving Kevin Durant conversation in the uh, the locker room before the All Star game. Have you seen that video? Oh, I've seen all of them, Chris. I've seen uh, all of the all of them flirting together. Uh, Kyrie patting KD on the head after he won the MVP award for the all-star game. The fact that Kyrie stayed on the court longer than anyone else to hang out with KD. (laughs) Chris, I've seen it all. I've texted with five people today from New York city about who is going to buy the Knicks after Bill Simmons revealed that he's hearing that the uh, ownership group led by James Dolan is, is fielding offers that, that's new news today, right? That, that's that part new was new, today. right? So okay. we could we could talk about that for another thirty minutes. We'll have to say that for another time. Yeah, but that is, I guess here at the end though, while we have a little bit of time left, do you have any like new opinion on mobile basketball? Because as far as I'm concerned, you could replay our podcast after the Duke game, and that's basically how I still feel. I think, and I and not to steal from, I feel like I steal from Mike Rutherford a lot because I think he's got good takes. Uh, it's a really good thing that they're not playing at home on Tuesday. I, I really think they need a game away from the crowd. Um, I had a, you know, I had a, I didn't make it to the game on Saturday, but when they did the Bronx cheer for crossing, you know, the half court on the press, oh, that was rough, dude. Like I get it. Like, you know, and Mike said this, I get it. We all get why the crowd did that. But man, if you're a guy on that bench, that's just got to burn. That hurts. That doesn't feel good. Yeah. I I mean, they just need to get out of their own heads. They need to go play. I'm, I don't know. Um, I'm always worried about Syracuse. We talked about this at the beginning of the month. I'm always worried about Syracuse. I'm always, I'm always worried about there's something weird about them. They always play us real strong, even when they're bad. Um, they've been particularly not great this season. So Louisville's in a real position and you're, you're, are you sticking by your five to one take? You still think they're yeah, going to go five to one? Yeah, I'm sticking by it. Um, I've okay. already said it, so I better stick by it now. I feel a lot better against Syracuse. They just got a house by NC State. They uh, did. This is about the time where Syracuse has a shocking win. I do think that Malik Williams or Stephen Enoch are the perfect guy to kind of be that zone buster. I did find a stat that Stephen Enoch is actually shooting the best two-point jumper percentage, so shots basically outside the lane within the perimeter. He's shooting almost 50% from there. So um, if you want a guy to flash to the high post and kind of break that down, 
I think him and Malik Williams are kind of tailor-made for, for that. Um, no, I think you're right. I, you know, I think the rotation kind of prevents it, but I would love to see some twin towers. Yeah. Uh, I would I love think, to see it. I think if you get that tomorrow, I think the, the biggest hesitation for Mac and a lot of that has been more foul trouble than anything yeah. else. No, I, th- I think I think that's definitely been it. But I think if there's a game you're going to whip it out. I think it's against this zone for sure. Yeah. So Not- you go. I mean, you go to Syracuse. You try to get that W. I think it's a big possibility, and I think they have a good chance against Wednesday. And then you come home against Syracuse, and I think they're going to win that game. I have said that repeatedly, but you did make the valid point that that yeah. game is a noon. You mean Virginia? Yeah, yeah, Virginia. And there are a lot of tickets available right now, as we said. It's a nooner. Uh, I think it was Coach K said earlier this year, he's kind of noticed in the past few years that kids, the home teams and nooners just kind of slump out. They don't come out. They don't come out strong and they don't come out sharp. And I think against a team like Virginia, you've got to come out sharp because if you're down by 10, 15 points, you're not making that up. So... Yeah, man, that's going to be a tough one. But I do think Chris gets the, gets the, he's gotten the guys ready for, you know, outside of UNC, which I really chalked that loss up to UNC, just being like, we're not freaking losing to these dudes again. Um, he's had the guys ready for big games. That's just yeah. a fact. So we'll see, man. I, you know, I, no, nothing <laughs> to answer your original question. Nothing has really changed. I think I need to see this team do some things again, show, show that they can win a game over the course of 40 minutes. I do want to say I'm not ref guy. I'm not, I'm not criticized the ref guy, but there were like three calls in the last, in the final minute that were just bonkers calls by TV Teddy. Yeah. The, I don't remember the jump ball was more questionable to me than the foul at the end. They were both yeah. bad, but the, the jump ball, the jump I mean, ball they, so they, ridiculous. they ended up getting to a jump ball, but that's just because the dude literally palmed Jordan Nora's arm and then like snuck in the, into the jump ball position. Right. Like there was a good two seconds of wrangling before we got there. So I, I we'll see. I, I, I'm really interested. I know we say every time uh, this next game is really important for Louisville basketball, but if we want to be talking about a four or five seed, they can't lose on Wednesday. Yeah. I mean, it it feels like more than ever, the fan base and the team are both on a tilt. Um, So if they go to Syracuse and they drop that game, I would probably revise my prediction and have them losing against Virginia. I'm obviously not going to do that regardless of what happens because I'm a hard headed and I'm headstrong and I've been saying that all year. So I'm going to continue saying that, but in my heart of hearts, I would probably have a different opinion than I have right now, but I do think that they're going to go beat Syracuse. So, yeah, uh, we want to make it clear. I mean, they're still in a really good spot for the double buy. Yeah. Beat Syracuse, you know, even, I mean, even if you lose to the two times of Virginia, you're still a full game ahead of Virginia, likely a full game ahead of Virginia Tech and, and, and Florida State after this week. Yeah, I mean, they have a, they have a half game on Florida State right now. Um, but they have, but they have that, that, uh, well, no, I'm sorry. That's Virginia Tech. They have they have the tiebreaker. Yeah, Florida State yeah. does have the tiebreaker over them, but Florida State goes to Clemson tomorrow, um, yeah. playing a Clemson team that desperately needs a W to get in the tournament. Then Florida State has to go to North Carolina, so you would expect them to drop at least one of those games. So, um, if if you can go to Syracuse and you know you can take a game against Virginia, you feel pretty good about that double buy. So, yeah. We will see yeah. what happens. We will um, see what happens. We've been I'm saying sure. that all season, and the storyline <laughs> continues to unfold. So, it, it, this season has been nothing less than 
fascinating. I think I just, I just want to take a moment to say that because I did not expect these up and downs at all. We were going to get this season. I, I, you know, it's been frustrating. It's been a share frustrate uh, frustrations, you know, no one likes losing the way we've lost, um, you know, losing to Duke that way and, and struggling against Kentucky and, but I'm having fun. It's, this is Louisville is important in, in the college basketball landscape. And, um, and that's fun. That's, that's fun. Nonetheless, I didn't, I didn't expect it to happen this fast. I was expecting us to be fighting for a single buy, not right. a double buy, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. I mean, we're, I think all you can ask is that there is storylines, uh, there is excitement and it feels like Lula basketball matters. Um, and again, it's Chris Mack's first season. He's building these guys from, <laughs> from paper thin walls. They're not, I mean, they're not players of his. So yeah, I think you said it best. No question. And with that, we'll leave you fine listeners on this president's day evening. Any last words, Chris? No, um, go cards. Go cards. <laughs> I mean, big, big one Wednesday, uh, would say free 21 Savage, but he's got out. So we're good on that front. You got, yeah. Free 21 Savage. He's out, but, uh, drop the charges, drop all the charges, drop the charges. For yes, sure. for sure. All right, guys. You have a good one. Thanks for listening.